My guest in today's show is in his early 50s and he's the co-founder of a UK-based online retail business. He started his business selling whiteboards and notice boards just five years ago with a capital outlay of £2,000, which is about US dollars and is scared to turning over £3 million, which is just under $5 million this financial year with no overdraft, no loans or external funding. He's going to share how his business has managed triple-digit growth year-on-year over the last five years. Stay tuned. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. Hi, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. And as usual, this is the podcast where I interview e-commerce entrepreneurs and online retail marketing experts who will help you, my fellow 2Xers, uncover tactics and strategies to help you grow. So so we're, we're very much concerned about growth metrics that matter in your online store. So if you're looking to grow conversions, average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales, you are in the right place. On today's show, I have with me Paul Pender. He's the co-founder of boarddirect.co.uk, a Nottingham-based online retail store that sells whiteboards and notice boards to the public through their website, as well as directly supply numerous businesses and educational institutions across the UK. They actually even opened um, a store in, in, in New York for our US listeners. Paul's background is in sales and marketing strategy. Welcome to, to the show, Paul. Thank you. Hello, Kenway. Cheers. Um, could you take a minute or two to tell um, to, you know, um, our listeners more about yourself and Boards Direct, please? Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm uh, early 50s, and uh, we've set, me and my business partners uh, set our business up just over five years ago. Um, and uh, this is not a background, by the way, e-commerce that, that was familiar to me before we began that business. So it, we, we kind of went into this uh, from new with no real preconceived ideas. Uh, but, you know, I always say that, you know, sales and marketing applies across all different areas. So we, we, we kind of managed to get a grip fairly early doors with the business and, and it grew from there, really. Interesting. Was it out of necessity or what you, did you have a whiteboard pattern upon and you're just going through <laughs> business ideas? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't out of, out of necessity in that in that way. Um, although you, I could argue, I could make a case for saying that, sort of from a psychological point of view, it was. Both me and my business partner had worked in different industries. I think there comes a point sometimes in in your life when you really want to do something mm. different, and also to to make a bit of a strike out in in, in a different direction, and so. We, we just both came to the conclusion, uh, we were friends, by the way, before we set the business up, so we've been friends for 20 years, and wow. uh, we just looked at each other one day over a beer and said, you know something, you and I could probably be quite good as a partnership in a business. No idea what that business would look like at all. Uh, we didn't even start discussing that until two or three weeks later, in fact, until we'd 
decided that we could work well together. <clears throat> and uh, and so that, that's really been the fundamental for us. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Getting the relationship sorted and, you know, I, sealed. I, I, I would say, Connie, that that is the single most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, almost almost more important than the product, uh, crazily as that sounds. We, the way it worked, the way it does work for us is that we are, we are uh, interdependent and we don't have a lot of crossover in our skill set. So, you know, what I'm good at, David isn't good at, and what he's good at, I'm not good at. And I don't just mean uh, I'm average at it. I actually can't do what he does. <laughs> and he's, he, he kind of can't do what I do. And so, so it, it works so well. We just fit together like, you know, like tongue and groove, you know. It's like a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> kind of, yeah. If you can Absolutely. get that right, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. So you complement each other, really, uh, from a skill set standpoint. Okay, okay. Really, really interesting. And then I, I guess you you had a list of ideas and you know, you know, maybe shortlisted it um, from the pub. And like, okay, yep. there, there are ten, there are ten ideas here. How do we? How did you start to strike okay. off and you know eventually yep. get to? The fact that you'd be selling whiteboards and notice boards. You, you, you're right. I mean, and uh, I, looking back on it, really, I'm quite pleased with the way that we we came to the decision. We, we didn't start looking at individual business ideas. What we decided was what what kind of structure would our business have. Mm. So, and we wanted certain facets. We wanted the business to be scalable. We like the idea of a business operating while we're in bed and while we're on holiday and one day when we're not even in the business. So that kind of excluded consultancy, uh, other issues like uh, where it's derivative of, of yourself, where you are part and parcel of what's going to happen. Mm. So we came to the conclusion that was a non-starter. We ruled out uh, investing in property because our conclusion was that you actually need some capital before you can start a business like that. So we wanted a business that would put us in that position. And we wanted something what we called future-proofed. So it was tomorrow's, today's and tomorrow's technology as we see it now. Mm. And, you know, e-commerce ticked all of those boxes. And only when we ticked those boxes did we start to think about the product. Only after. And the fact is whiteboards can evolve regardless of technology. There could be electronic whiteboards and they could be the traditional ones. It, it, you know, education yeah. would always need whiteboards, which, which is, yeah, it's an evergreen. Yeah. Um, so long as we seek knowledge, I, I guess it's an evergreen product. It, it is. Uh, I would have to say from our point of view, that was, I agree with what you've said, uh, but the, the fact that we got that product ended up being more luck than judgment in that we, we, we found a supplier and it happened to be that uh, could give us a good deal through contacts that we had, mm. but it just happened to be whiteboards. Literally as as lucky as that. But once we had established the product, you're right. We decided this is a niche that's probably underexploited, and can grow and will grow in the future. So it all came together, really. Good stuff. Good stuff. And you know, five years. Just um, correct my math if I'm wrong. It was right in the middle of the credit crunch. Yeah. How, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a mindset. You know, how do you, you know, have that mindset to to go through all the negativity to building a business right in the middle of credit crunch? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the, the honest truth is this: we never gave it a second thought. We really didn't. And, and the negativity that you describe is um, so true, and it comes from all directions, from media, word of mouth, and it's just not been our experience. And you know, I guess we're both 
optimists to a certain extent, um, grounded optimists. Um, and so we, we, we never even discussed the climate, the economic climate. We just believed that if you can bring the right product on the right platform, pitched at the right price, a downturn in the economy sometimes can actually work to your advantage. Mm. You outmaneuver your competitors, the old type of doing business, and sort of gain a footprint in, in, in a new economy. And, and that's kind of what happened. The other beautiful thing for, for us and for you know all of your listeners, really, when, you, when you've got an e-commerce platform, it is very cash flow friendly as a business model. Mm. People are buying online most of the time. Um, and so... We didn't need to um, – so the credit crunch angle where we need – you know, most businesses need to go and get some funding. Um, we weren't in that position. And this business has never borrowed a single penny and has never been overdrawn for a single day. What was your initial capital outlay for, for the business back in 2009? We each paid a £1,000 wow. into the bank account on day one. And that was uh, it. And it's, uh, it sort of regenerated itself and – yeah, every single uh, every single growth spurt and investment that's come from the company has come through cash flow, uh, and not through any form of borrowing. So, yeah. and, and 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 you know that um, that is a derivative, really, of the business model of, of e-commerce. That's the power that it can give you. You are accessing your customers directly, and most of the time, you know, these guys are getting into your website and, and paying. As they go, I think uh, three three conclusions we're going to draw from here is one um, the so if you're going into a partnership, you know, making sure the relationship is solid. Yeah. Um, the the second is getting the right suppliers. You know, yes. And and the third really is 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 the mindset because you know some suppliers might have required you to, to you know to open a big account with them or you know what have you. Mm-hmm. And and then third really is your mindset. You know, having you know that's should I say. Um, you know, being stubborn really um, and yeah. positive to to start the business, especially in the credit crunch. And if you can survive the credit crunch, um, there, there's no other time you can't survive. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good summary, Conley. Yeah, I agree with what you just said there. Okay, let's let's move into to the to your background. What's your background like, and um, what does um, what's David's background like, and what do, do each of you bring to the table? Yeah. Um, well, my background was uh, in a completely different industry, in electronics, electronic components. So I left university and went into a commercial role, um, actually in purchasing, for a, for a large blue chip corporation in, in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of climbed the corporate route in business, um, ending up um, you know, di- director level of, a, of an electronics company around about um, 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I then became self-employed and did work as a consultant and as an agent. So, you know, sort of stepping out of that corporate role fairly early was a, a good preparation for what happened five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Sort of a taster of, mm-hmm. of standing your own two feet. Um, but as I say, n- nothing to do with these products or this this industry. Uh, David has got more of a background in the office supplies business, of which we are a niche player. Mm. You know, beauty sports is a small part of that. He worked in the furniture and stationery dealership area uh, right up until we you know we we started together. So we came together with. David having an, an element of understanding of how the industry works and me coming in, trying to impose or uh, put forward my views on how business should work from a different industry's background. Mm. And 
that's great because it challenges all of the sort of preconceived ideas about how things have to happen. Every industry has got that. They all know that's not how it happens in our business and the wholesalers do this. And, and between us, we were able to challenge that. We just wouldn't accept it. Why does it have to be done in this way? And, and so we had a nice clear vision of not having to do it the way everybody else does it. And, and really, my advice to anybody starting an online business is kind of almost ignore uh, conventional wisdom. Just don't, don't start with that. Mm. You have to take it into account, but you don't need to start with it. Um, we, we started with a customer, couldn't they? We, we just said, let's start with what people want. Let's start where we want to finish. How do we make it happen that they will receive this kind of product in this lead time at this price? What have we got to do? Who do we need to talk to to achieve delivering what they want? Start at the end and work backwards. There's so many nuggets there. Um, there's that fearlessness, especially when you don't know what to expect from your industry. The fact that you're from a different industry going into mm. this industry and, you know, as you say, the preconceived ideas, mm. you challenging them is, is just amazing. And, you know, it, just ignoring the preconceived ideas and, and focusing on, on getting things done. It, it's fascinating. Really, really good stuff. Really good mm. stuff, Paul. So let's talk about the... Um, size of the business at the moment you're five years in what's yep. revenue looking like uh well i mean our financial year was started first november and this is so this is our sixth year of trading now and okay. um, should do uh three million this year pounds and obviously that's been incremental significant incremental growth which is about 4.7 million dollars for our u.s listeners yes yeah, yeah. okay and, and so, so you, you, how how quickly are you growing on on, on a year on year basis? What what's what's the last five years look like um, from from a revenue standpoint? Yeah, I mean, the first year I think we turned over. Um, this is all in UK pounds, mm-hmm. uh, sixty seven thousand. Okay. The second year it went up to two seventy. Okay. And then real big jumps. Then in those middle two years, I think we went to nine hundred k, then one point three k. Uh, last year was just over two million, and this year is phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's pushed on again. Uh, so we, we are hoping to come in at three million this year. So you know, chunky growth. I mean, in the early years, two three hundred percent, but obviously now it's settling down a little bit into the sort of thirty thirty to fifty percent growth rate. So there's a bit of gravity starting to set in here. But- yeah. Only as the numbers get bigger, the percentages get get smaller. There's yeah. a law of gravity. I can't I can't recall what. Um, so there was I had someone on the show. Um, I think it was episode seven. Um, RJ Metrics, and he talked about um, the law of gravity. In in so as the bigger you get, um, the the smaller the growth figures. But those figures actually you know matter. Um, let's go into the share of. Um, so so from the two million or three million you're expecting to to to, to turn over this year um what yeah. part of it comes directly online and what part of it comes from um direct supplies to to educational institutions and businesses your your supply business because i i reckon you know some people some some organizations would send a purchase order you send an invoice and yeah. and then you supply and then 30 days later you yeah you you, you get paid um, so, so, so how does the business look from that standpoint in, in terms of um, um, supplies versus direct retail where I just, you know, grab my credit card for my small business and, you know, pay mm-hmm. on a nine on, on board's direct at UK? 
Yeah, I mean that 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 mix is changing as we get bigger. Uh, we're still two thirds, almost exactly two thirds, online. Wow. Yeah, with one, one third, um, as you describe, uh, sort of corporate clients that now require um, invoicing. So, but again, that is that that is changing. So that that online percentage is shrinking mm. because we are penetrating some pretty pretty significant clients now as the, as time goes by. We do move them across to, to an invoice situation. But that's not to say that the online business is, is shrinking. It's growing, but it's not growing as fast as the whole. And, and I guess you'd, you'd need to expand your, your sales team for account managers to, to actually manage clients um, to, to cater for, for the corporate accounts. Yeah, I mean, um, where we sit at the moment, we, uh, we haven't got a, an external sales team at all. Um, so we... we the way I describe it to, to the staff, with nine staff, can they, the way we operate is the website is the salesman for us. Okay. That's the way we describe it. So, um, But more and more, there is a need to communicate with customers, and we do it reasonably well, inter- very well internally, uh, and our, our, our plan is eventually to put external people out there. So it's, it's exciting for me because there's lots of other good stuff that we still haven't done yet. Hmm. that drive our sales it's not as if we've kind of used all the tools in the bag but yeah it's two-thirds to one-third it's it's changing it's changing all the time you mentioned the fact that it's a niche in the um, office supplies industry but i could see a wide range of boards you know on on your website so so how many skus or SKUs do do you have on offer at any given point in time through the website it's about three thousand. Wow, for me, which sounds yeah, it, it sounds it's a lot. Enormous. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, just put that into context. Um, uh, a standard office supplies dealer would probably have about eighteen thousand SKUs. Okay, uh, and we did look at going that route. We thought, shall we just become? You know, shall we use our our, our brand presence to become a, a mainstream dealer? And we walked away from that uh, a couple of years ago, actually, th- for the reason that. It's a lot of SKUs to control. It's no longer a niche and very difficult to give some kind of added value to your customer, mm-hmm. given that it's four or 5,000 other office dealers out there. So, yeah, it sounds a lot. But, I mean, with the, uh, with the whiteboards, there's obviously each board has got a lot of size variants and each one's a SKU. So, you know, individual products, probably you look, you, uh, you're looking at five to 600 okay. um, with all the size and color variants, 3,000. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Mm. Okay. Um, let's get into the mid-stage interview questions. Um, what does the future look like for, for Boards Direct? Um, do you envisage, for instance, like um, a bricks and mortar expansion or do you see the internet as your, your key advantage? And if, if yes, how, 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 what do you see um, the future looking like for, for Boards Direct? Yeah. Um, well, our plan, um, we, we, we plan to maintain activity in this niche. I expect the business online in the UK probably would top out around about 10 million. Uh, it's, you know, the market isn't going to go on forever and it's, you know, there's a whiteboard is a whiteboard. But we do intend to continue focusing online. There's no real bricks and mortar development likely to occur. One option that we will consider is because currently we do most of our product is drop shipped. Um, there is an opportunity further down the line for us to take control of that supply chain 
um, and warehouse product ourselves, particularly for our own brand. Mm. We do a little bit of that now, um, but the sort of inclination to do more is not is not there yet due to the volumes. So that's a possible investment in bricks and mortar. But no, we're committed to to online and, and selling e-commerce channels. At the end of the day, what we see ourselves is e-commerce marketeers. That's what we do. If someone asks me what I do, I market products online. You're I'm an not online a, retailer. Yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not a whiteboard retailer. I'm an online marketeer. Okay, okay, okay. That makes a lot of sense. What about the opportunity um, in cross-border e-commerce? Um, I learned you opened a New York office. Um, there's the EU, which is a well, hopefully with the referendum. Um, there's yep. there's a massive market out in the EU, but I mm. but the, I know the challenge. You know, boards mm. are tough to handle. Yeah. Um, so, what what what's is are there any plans for for cross-border e-commerce and um, what does a New York presence look like? Yeah. Um, so uh, in terms of Europe, I mean, there's a, there is a huge opportunity, can they, but you are absolutely right. The distribution of whiteboards is my single biggest challenge, actually. Depending on which supplier you use, there are varying levels of damages that are received by customers which have to be uh, responded to and improved upon. And we, have, we are very demanding with our suppliers on packaging and on the companies that they use to transport the product to, to keep this to an absolute minimum. Mm. But it, but to ship from the UK into Europe is not really an option uh, for the products that we do. We are building very strong alliances now, particularly in Germany and in France. Mm. And I would expect in the next 18 months we will be launching, first of all in Germany, um, to distribute on exactly the same lines that we operate in the UK. But to do that, you need warehousing from your suppliers in that country of origin. And secondly, you have to be very thorough with the couriers that you use. There are only four couriers in the UK that will even handle a whiteboard to be delivered. So you're already negotiating in a very small pool. Same applies uh, on mainland Europe. The rationale in, in the US was very different. Uh, uh, we, we have our own range of, of glass magnetic boards called Casca, which is um, – we, we manufacture this locally in Nottingham. It's one of the few products that, that isn't – owned by a supplier well done on that the fact that it's even you know uk manufactured it's yeah and yeah nottingham fantastic yeah. thank you yeah i mean that's we are we are proud of that and um it's difficult actually for far east competition to compete because it's a totally bespoke product mm. but but what we noticed currently was that the, the market most of the product for the, for this glass was going to central london and we couldn't understand it, so we did some market research. And basically, corporate headquarters like this product in their in their reception or their boardrooms. So we thought, well, how do we grow if we if we're just locked into London, and that seems to be where people like this product? What do we do to grow? And the solution became to look um, for other cities around the world that had a, a footprint similar to London, financial institution, corporate hub. And uh, we landed upon New York. Um, they speak English. You know, uh, we can converse together. Um, but then we replicated the business model. We found a factory uh, in New York. Uh, we've hired two guys in New York to be customer service people. And so it's just transferring. Rather than having to ship the product across the Atlantic, we mapped it out to, to replicate what we do here. But only in New York City. Only New York. So yeah. is, is, is that a bricks and mortar business or is it online? Yeah, it's, um, it, 
kind of a bricks and mortar business at the moment. Although it, when I say that, it's it's driven through the website, but it's not an e-commerce site. So no one can buy through the website at the moment. They would contact us, and that that, that kind of happens anyway with a bespoke product. And the factory is, you know, it's um it, it's a standalone factory that we just use as a partner. So we don't own that business. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, so I, I guess the domain is would not be boardsdirect.co.uk, something else. Okay. Yeah, it, we, we, because we're only selling the Casca range of glass, so the the, the domain name is cascaglass.com. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, yeah, that that's. But later this year, we will be launching Boards Direct in the US. We have now got the same suppliers that we use in Europe. We've also got warehousing in the US, and we we launch Boards Direct uh, as a website across the whole of the US. Uh, hopefully by October. So, so with with all with all the expansion, does does this factor into the ten million pound target you're looking at ahead, or um, is the ten million exclusive to the UK? The ten million is exclu- exclusive to the UK. Well the, the, the US market currently is so huge. I mean, what's really interesting is the relative activity online as uh, e-tailers in the UK compared with the US, and the the UK is easily five years ahead of what's going on in the usa wow. uh, so there is a huge opportunity to launch uh, an online business i think in the u.s if you are patient and if you can understand that the market is still catching up with the uk you're not going to get the same benefits straight away but those who get in early i think are going to be able to establish a market position when you say five years ahead because it's a lot of innovation comes out from the u.s i mean there's um things like instacart um they they work there are lots of like subscription businesses e-commerce businesses going on in the u.s um you know some of them are going public like warby parker do you mean from what perspective are you? Because you're the second person saying it, but the first time I didn't really, you know, call him out as to why um, he thought the US, um, the UK was ahead of, of the US. But, but from, from what perspective? It's or, purely down from the mentality of the customer. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The technology is driven by the US. Our website is on a US platform. Mm. Um, all of the technology is certainly being driven, or a significant amount is driven from the US, but the mentality of the customer. They are not used to buying online. They're reluctant to buy online. At the moment, people buy their whiteboards, for example, in a store. They will go to Staples and drive out to buy it. So there's a, this is, the, this is the, the, the exciting part. You know, I think the UK has the highest proportion of uh, online purchasers in Europe, followed by mm. per, per, per capita so far. Yeah, mm. per, even individual. Yeah, per capita, mm. or you know, mm. as a percentage of the population, it is significantly higher than the US usage. So, but that that's got to change. My my judgment is that's got to change. I may you know one. I may ten years later, it may never happen. But that's how you you make your decisions in life. And my view is that the US will join the party. Uh, the customers will the the infrastructure in the US will continue to improve to deliver the products. Bear in mind. Someone orders a web a whiteboard on on our website in October. We could have to ship it from New York to Seattle, wow. which is the best part of three thousand miles. So it's a bit of a challenge to do all that, and that's why probably why they've been a bit slow on the take up. Excellent point in terms of the mentality of, of um, you know, US mm. shoppers as compared to to the UK shoppers. There's more trust in 
um, perceived trust yeah. in the UK and it's really driving the, the market. And I guess also it's, um, I think the land mass is, is smaller, but, you know, the, the many, many other factors. Okay, um, really, really good stuff here, Paul, really, really good stuff. Um, let's let's talk about um, marketing um, in terms of um, traffic and customer acquisition from the outside because I, I use um, similarweb.com. It looks yeah. like Google is the number one driver of traffic to, to your site. Does that translate yeah. to business? Oh, yeah, uh, without doubt. Yeah, I mean, you, you're right. Google is, is you know we, know, we know, don't we, that Google is the dominant search in the UK, 92, 93% of search. That is our, our main route to business. Um, it's not our only one, and we are very active in, in trying to keep diverse. Mm. Many of our competitors are focused totally on, on, on Google, um, mm. I you know slowly it will decline but adwords is a big factor seo activity is enormously important we've done that from day one so we've we've constantly understood i think that we've got to become visible throughout the google search uh, empire and uh, you know we're a long way from from being where we need to be a long way do you manage your Google activity or your, well, your search marketing activity um, in-house or do you outsource it? We do outsource it, uh, although I do have um, a, a member of staff who is employed purely to liaise and work with our agency on SEO and AdWords and other forms of marketing. So we, we kind of work with them, but, but I can't emphasize how important that is to anybody else. Get the right partner and doing it yourself it's a mistake. I mean, we mm. we did that. We tried it. I mean, I did it myself, and it's very expensive way to to learn how the how the internet works. Expensive in your time too. Expensive in your time, uh, mm. yes. But the quality of your activity with AdWords will determine how much you pay. Mm. Google understand uh, so well um, how traffic is driven, and they are out to please their search customer, not you. So if you're not pleasing the guy that searched, you will be penalized by Google. Mm, mm. The sooner you realize that, the better. Focus on top quality search partners and pay that bit more for them because you'll get your money back very, very quickly. Fantastic points there. Fantastic points. Um, so what are your other two important customer acquisition channels um, outside of Google, Google aside? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have a presence on Amazon. We also sell through eBay. If the truth be told, neither has been hugely successful for us. I, I don't see Amazon as being, for us, uh, an area of growth. Um, the way that we run our business, we, we want to uh, capture customers through our website and then build a relationship with them. Precisely. Right? You can't do that with Amazon. Amazon own that customer. Mm. They, you, know, and you can't even communicate with them unless you go through Amazon. And that that works against our style, you know. We, capture we, and retain. Capture, yeah, capture and retain. And retain. Yeah, and, and I do use that phrase, build a relationship. You know, we mm. we like to talk to our customers. We ask them if they had a good experience. We'll telephone you know, a good percentage of them a month after they've had the order. Mm. Uh, it, it's so important to to get that loyalty from your customer, and Amazon doesn't do that. And also, you can do a lot of hard work on Amazon in improving your listing great images, um, promoting the brand outside of Amazon for someone else to come and jump on your listing and get all that benefit as well. Mm. So 
it isn't it isn't a great platform in my view for companies that want to innovate with their own customers and, and we've not invested in it and probably won't do for the short term so that's that's quite interesting so um I was going to ask you how would you you know um, compete with Amazon, but you, you don't even um, you're not really interested in, in in going on Amazon really. No, um, I, I'm not. I mean, and, and just to put that to bed, I mean, you know, we we compete very very well on price uh, with other users on Amazon. The Amazon fees are significant. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so, thirty percent sometimes. Yeah, so you, you've got that to to tie in there, and if you can get the deals right with your suppliers. You should be able to to undercut. The problem is, of course, customer traffic is driven to Amazon. A lot of traffic is driven to Amazon. So, therefore, that's where your investment comes with your own website to make sure that your level of traffic is sufficient to, to fund what you need to do. Okay. Do you get a lot of phone orders? Do, do, you, do you complete orders over the phone or is, 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 is most of the activity on, on, through your shopping cart? Yeah, we do get phone orders. Um, the, for the first two years, by the way, we didn't have a phone number on the website. Um, that we, of course, Google then decided it doesn't like that, and neither do I now. I mean, we want access uh, with our customers. There's, customers do phone. They do want to place. People don't like credit card details going through computers and so on. Mm-hmm. It's less than 10%, probably 5 or 6% of the orders. We call them manual orders um, are placed over the phone. So it's it's not significant, but it it does sap resource internally. Obviously, you have to have someone there to respond to it. Um, so it's a disproportionate amount of resource required to deal with, but it's all a part of keeping the customer comfortable and happy with you. And that's that's the the main message really that I would give anybody. Okay, okay. I'm just having a look at the website. Very, very, very clean um, homepage on there. And I love the emphasis on um, on, on the delivery. There's a delivery van, van yeah. right, right on the, on the um, yes. first. Um, it's a carousel. It's a clickable carousel. And, um, yeah, free carriage for all orders over yeah. £25. Um, and then very, very clear tagline there. You know, we love boards. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I think we, we, we came up with that. I mean, it maybe sounds a little bit corny or cliche, but it, you, you, it's, it's about feeling passionate about what you do. And mm. believe it or not, we, 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 we have to really enjoy being passionate about about the notice boards that we sell. And if it doesn't come across to the customer, they'll just go and buy it on Amazon because they don't perceive any benefit. Mm. I, I did notice something, though. On, I've noticed there's there no um, product reviews. Yeah. Um, is, is, is there a reason why there are no product reviews? It, it's coming, uh, Kunle. That is coming, to be fair. I mean, um, we, we're fairly new to reviews. Um, mm. We only started uh, with Trustpilot less than a year ago. Mm. Uh, and that we use that currently just on the search page, just to give authority to to the listing, so they can see your star rating and so on. Mm-hmm. But we are rolling that out on on the web page, and it's just one of those things that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. It is it's a tricky one with reviews because we prefer to build up testimonials, if I'm honest, and we want to build up more powerful testimonials that w- with detail from customers, mm-hmm. a, an anonymous review that comes on site. Um, so, yeah, it, it's on its way. And I understand that this is now how people are making their decisions. They want to see um, read reviews before they purchase. We've not seen any impact yet, but I'm hoping when that comes, this will help 
with the growth spurt that's going to occur. Interesting, interesting. Um, on the topic of um, customer retention and loyalty, um, how important are repeat customers to, to the business? Um, are you seeing a lot of activity from repeat customers and you know, what's the frequency of um, repeat customers? Yeah, um, hugely significant. Um, in any one month online, about a third of our customers are returning customers. Only a third, actually. So that's that's quite interesting as that's what's driving the growth, of course, is the mm. two new customers. But the returning customers are, are, are intrinsic. And it, it goes beyond, actually, their initial financial benefit of getting second and third orders. It's a sign, it, it's a sign of the health of your business. Um, and they go away and talk to other people. So we will do anything we have to do to keep our customers happy, irrespective of the value of the order or what's involved. We, we will put right anything that they have an issue with uh, under any circumstances because that's, that's the lifeblood of an online business. And 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 does, does email marketing sort of drive this relationship post-purchase? Yeah. Post, um, yeah, we it does. We, we, we have a series of four or five standard emails that go out over a six-week period just refreshing the experience, offering uh, new products and new offers as time goes by. And we also have a, a sales follow-up process where we will call customers four weeks after they receive their order just to get feedback on and every uh, every single uh, order not quite every order i mean it is a sample but i would say um you know it it's it's about half wow. probably about half the customers which is a big investment in time um yes. you know processing a lot of orders and proactive and proactive so yeah yeah, absolutely. You know, so we 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 want uh, we want a relationship with them. We want them to feel that they are valued. And all of this again, you know, it sounds like something out of a textbook. I, I can't emphasise to it. You know, don't let your customers down. And if it does happen, and it's going to cost you money to put it right, do it. Mm. Do it every time. Okay, um, big question I ask um, a lot of my guests. Um, what's more important, traffic or conversion rate optimization? Yeah, um, so I'm familiar with those metrics, and uh, you know my guy internally often gives me all three numbers. And the experts tell you not to worry about traffic, but to focus on the conversions. Obviously, conversions make the business and produce your your revenue but i'm very traffic focused because the way i look i look at things is you know, the, the content on the web page is my, is my responsibility uh, our responsibility we can make that if if that content's right people will buy it if, if priced right and it's a good product so the more people i can get to look at that product the more sales I'm going to make. It's a numbers game. Hmm. But it is, an, and, and so I'm very, very focused on driving traffic, extremely hmm. focused and on then, it. And, and then you could take care of conversions to... further down the line. They will take care of themselves if you've got the rest of your offering right. Okay, okay. That's good, 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 good answer. Good answer there. Um, so on a final note in regards to customer retention, um, what pattern piece of advice would you give um, to online ret- retailers listening to this show about customer retention? What things should they do right to, to get customer retention um, where it should yeah. be in, in their businesses? Right. The, the secret to all this I'm finding is – is to convince the customer that you really, really do care about the experience they've had. Um, occasionally things go wrong. How you respond to that will determine that, re- that reputation. 
And, you know, so many times I've heard, spoke to other people going, oh, we had a problem with a customer and, you know, they, they maybe they want a discount or whatever. Uh, Bulls Direct, quite often, will just discount the whole order if there's been an issue. Mm. I do. You've got to show them that you care and you've got to mean it. And uh, that would be really the, the start point. And to, to challenge yourself and measure yourself uh, as to whether you're performing against that, as I said at the beginning, start at the end with the customer experience. Sit yourself down as if you are the customer. What would be the perfect outcome for price, delivery, the way that you are treated for you to satisfy you, and then find a way to deliver that for your customer? Mm. Work backwards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a fantastic answer there, Paul. Okay, let's talk about average order value. Does um, just seasonality um, affect average order value? Um, I guess there's a lot of planning in January. Is like January uh, quite a busy period um, in, in the business? Or? Yes, I mean seasonality um, surprised me when I came uh, started with this business. It, it wasn't seasonal when I expected it to be, and vice mm. versa. So a, a big uh, sort of market sector for us is the education. So um, obviously, you know, schools and universities and all the rest of them. And when we first started, I fully expected the summer holiday to be a very quiet period because we were locked into schools. And it's exactly the opposite. Um, that's apparently when schools do the refits and put all their new whiteboards in. Yes. We got caught out big style uh, the first year. And, you know, we never did that again. And we made sure our suppliers carry plenty of stock. So seasonality, January is a fantastic month. And it's, you're right, it's planning. But any start of a new education term is a good time for us. Mm-hmm. So January and over the summer. And, and do you track um, customer lifetime value at Bonds Direct? Um, explain what what do you mean by that, can they? Um, kind of like what a customer is worth, not basically on their first order, but um, yeah. throughout their relationship with you, perhaps when they either switch to another supplier, um, if um, they're no longer in business or um, they die, pretty much, in terms of the, the value of a single customer over time. Yeah, we, we do. I mean, our systems... Um, we, 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 we're kind of growing faster than our systems, and that's that's probably not... Well, it's definitely not a good thing. Um, we're, we're trying to keep systems ahead so that we can track pretty much everything in terms of the interaction with customers. But, yeah, we do. We, 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 we try and uh, estimate at what time to return to a customer, mm. what their busy time and time periods are, and the best time to approach them with, with campaigns. Mm. Uh, but, and, and again, I, I don't want this to sound like some kind of textbook thing, but... We, we 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 want each customer to to feel as if their individual order is the most important order in the business. Mm. And as soon as you start overanalyzing what a customer is worth to you, then you will start to prioritize. Mm. And um, we're not at that stage where we want to prioritize yet. We want we want the whole experience for everybody to be as good as it possibly can be. Mm. So you can go too far with it. Um, maybe that will come later when uh, when the growth is significant. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I noticed you um, you were on the growth accelerator fund. Um, yeah. did, did it help you um, the growth accelerator for for our listeners for for our um, US listeners? It's 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 pretty much a government backed. Would, would we say consultancy um, to to grow um, for fast growth businesses in the UK? Um. Yes, it's uh, 
it's been a good experience. I mean, we, we only encountered Growth Accelerator a year ago, so we were already probably quite a high-growth organization when we came uh, into the visibility of Growth Accelerator. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, it, it is a good forum. I mean, the, you know, the main element that they offer you is a, 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 like a mentor. Mm-hmm. So it's somebody that has worked and done what you've done in spades and moved on and now wants to give something back to industry. And they will visit us periodically. And David and I will sit down with our guy and we can talk about what we want to talk about with somebody that has been there and done that. Mm-hmm. And that is in itself satisfying to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this is probably familiar to, to your listeners, um, certainly those that are pushing on ahead and trying to build their businesses you do feel isolated sometimes that, you know, no one else has done this. No one you know has done this. And those moments in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. when you wake up trying to make the books balance, who do I talk to about it? Um, it's hard to find somebody. And often you find somebody and then you find out actually they didn't start the business from scratch and they moved in later. And so to actually be able to communicate with somebody who has been and done what you've done is reassuring and, and very useful. That's, that's a good point. It's a very, very good point. Okay, so five years in, coming to mm. six, three million in revenue, you're successful. What does e-commerce success mean to you, Paul? It's the single most satisfying thing uh, that, that's happened to me in my life um, for probably three reasons. One is it's, it's great to have created um, a sort of a, an embryonic brand. Secondly, um, we, we feel that we've innovated in some areas on our website. So we've sort of helped change the way that this business has operated. And thirdly, you know, to create employment for people. Every day I go in the office and and, and see everybody. It's, 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 a, it's a wonderful thing. And so hugely, hugely rewarding for the first. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Fantastic, fantastic. And, you know, being responsible for, 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 for those people's lives. Yeah, okay. Um, right, so what marketing channel, one marketing channel, um, would you advise e-commerce entrepreneurs to take seriously? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a believer in, in forging your own path. So, you know, get yourself the best website that you can afford. Mm. And, um, you know, don't be afraid to to customize it. Don't be afraid to ask silly questions when you're talking to people who are going to build your site. Mm. If you want it to do something and they're telling you it can't be done, talk to somebody else because it can. Mm. Uh, and and my, the, the channel that I drive, uh, that, that I believe in is is have your own presence, have your own website, find the best way to market it. Um, you know, Amazon is great and uh, you know, probably there's people out there going, well, I, I do very well on Amazon. And that, that, that could well be true for a different product range. Mm-hmm. For us, we are on Amazon for brand awareness. Uh, but if you want to establish your business long term and have some level of independence, you're better off having your own platform and getting it visible out there. Fantastic. There's so many quotables because um, when we publish the, the, the podcast um, to, to the website, we, we, we have a, a section called Twitterables and Quotables. Uh, this interview is going to produce a very long list of quotables because, I mean, you, you are you're on point. You're on point there. Okay. Let's talk about um, tools, books and resources. Anything that's really been of significance to your success 
you'd want to share with us? There could be tools, there could be books or any resources mm. you think yeah. has really uh, pushed you to, 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 to where you are, your mindset, your business, your marketing, it could be anything. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I wish now I'd, uh, I'd, I'd thought of that, about that one before we spoke. I mean, what, the, the, the book that really inspired, there is a book that inspired me. It's not related to e-commerce and technical or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't remember who it's by, but it was called Make It Happen Before Lunch. Okay. And it's a business book, and its message is, 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 is basically get on with things and do them now. And that's the mantra of, of David and I. Um, you know, nothing happens. I've never worked in an organization or a business or with other people where decisions are made so quickly and implemented so quickly as between me and my business partner. And so that book gave me an insight into the power of just stop prevaricating and do something. Uh, it's a very short book, and uh, maybe I'll uh, tr- drop you a note in time for the, the Twitter sphere to kick off with the, with the author. Okay, uh, okay, I'll, I'll find it on Amazon for okay. sure, and I'll share it yeah. in, in the notes in, in the show notes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Finally, what what is the best way, listeners who want to get in touch with you, you know, network who who's loved what you've you know you, you've been able to, to to share with us today? Mm-hmm. What's the best way for them to to, to get in touch? Are you on social media? Do you prefer email? Yes. You'll you'll find me on LinkedIn. Okay. So that'd be I'd be welcome to to um, you know communicate with anybody who, who wants to talk and discuss it, these issues or any other. Come to that. That's absolutely no problem at all. That's probably the best way. Good. Uh, or, or through the website. You know, um, there's a there's an email address on on the website. But if you just drop off the the first word and put Paul at, you'll get straight through to me. Paul at boardsdirect.co.uk. Fantastic. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Paul, and thank you for sharing your insights. You are more than welcome, Conley. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunlay Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.